something been curious about this broadcast. Blast off into the potosphere with TGP Nominal. Extra. Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of TGP Nominal Extra. You don't normally hear a TGP Nominal Extra unless we have uh, people from NASA on or, or stuff like that. But we've decided we're going to make a few changes to the way that the podcast goes out. And basically from now on, uh, we're going to add our guide to the monthly skies into TGP Nominal Extra. So on the line, I should have Ross Hockham from UK Astronomy. How are you doing, sir? Very good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, it's been nice and hot. Oh, it's been beautiful it's been really nice weather and the amount of clear skies it's been like two weeks completely clear skies shame it's the worst time to view (laughs) being summer and the shortest nights but can't knock the weather it's been brilliant yeah we've been out and about haven't we we have yeah came and joined us at a big bang at bucks didn't you yeah it was uh, quite a big affair considering uh how it started off its humble beginnings and um we did some recordings at the event which we'll be putting into the main show at some point because it's in conjunction with the the big bang fair which is a huge event at the nec and the organizers of that event decided why don't we have some regional events and um buckinghamshire decided that they wanted to get involved yeah yeah and then they invited us it was even better <laughs> and then we had a we had a really nice day because it was nice and sunny so we were actually able to get some solar scopes out weren't we and actually show the kids safely views of the sun that some of them had never even known about they didn't know any of the features of you know prominences or sunspots they didn't know you could see them and then they learned about them saw them and some of them were blown away weren't they i think there was one kid that got you a little bit yeah a little emotional, bit emotional didn't it yeah <laughs> It was quite an emotional moment because you've got this young kid who has been told not to look at the sun, especially through a telescope or whatever. I wasn't aware that you could have things like, you know, sun filters and special glasses and all that kind of stuff. And we were trying to encourage him to have a look through the telescope and he kept shaking his head and backing away from the telescope and we, we took him round to the computer screen so he could actually see it on the screen and we said to him that there what, what you're seeing there is actually what's going through that telescope right now and uh, so we promise you it's, it's not going to hurt you we've got special things added to this telescope that makes it 100% safe we gradually got him to look through this telescope and, and we eventually got him to actually locate where the sun was himself we, we told him where the shadows on the ground marks where you need to be looking and um, he looks at the ground he looked at the scope he turned it around he adjusted it and he, he discovered it himself and he just couldn't believe what he saw and that's what we're all about that's what I was that's why I made it <laughs> that's why I founded it it's for that that one kid now if UK astronomy dies tomorrow it doesn't matter because that one kid has gone out now and you know that might have inspired him to now look at other things differently to you know might have changed his life that one tiny little spark you never know that's what it's about now I went along to one of your sessions that you did there and recorded the session and I was really surprised with how much knowledge some of these kids had previously to actually going into that uh, talk yeah yeah they're really good aren't they like some of the questions I get asked are phenomenal <laughs> sometimes afterwards I sit there and go how did you know that and it just shows that how much now science and you know space and that is actually getting out there to the children before there wasn't really too much you'd maybe learn the planets and a little bit stuff like that you know the moon goes around the earth the earth goes around the sun done but now they seem to be i don't know kids seem to be a lot more interested in actually 
wanting to learn more and find out more and it seems like schools are encouraging that as well from what yeah. I've seen yeah uh, when we were waiting to go in because you thought I must have done a Usain Bolt because you texted me to say that you were ready for the next lot to go through <laughs> yeah and I was already there because it made it look as though I just run from the what yeah the, I, thought, I thought you just got at light speed <laughs> from one building <laughs> to the other because it was about oh it's not that far so like, nah, it's a good five five minute walk yeah from the two buildings it was actually Frankie had given me the heads up saying he's about 10 minutes away from finishing you better start getting over there so <laughs> that's why I was already in the area when you texted nah, so you had a little bit, bit of insider knowledge <laughs> yeah because just, just to let people know we uh, there was two days we were at there Big Bang Bucks was at Green Park and we had an inside bit which had all telescopes and binoculars and stuff and the big 16 inch beast for a robotic telescope for people to play around and the kids to actually see and learn how telescopes work and you know that you don't need telescopes it's all this other stuff you can use and then we had a bit just outside so we're like well now unfortunately you can't see anything through these ones because we've got a roof over our head but if you ask your teachers you can go outside now and my my friend Mr Mick was out there doing all solar so then they could actually go out and then look and see things but then the second day we were there they wanted me to do my talk so I did about, I think it was about three talks, about 45 minutes long. And then people, the kids would just book themselves in. And we had to actually go and get more seats, didn't we? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously everyone wants to learn about the solar system and stuff like that. So yeah, we had that as well on the second day. So that's when Mark then went from the, the area where we were doing the, the solar bits up to the actual talk. But it all went really well, didn't it? It was really smoothly yeah. and well, they, were, they were great. The people organised it. Before I actually went into the talk, I was outside with some of the kids and their teachers. And one of the teachers was also talking about space and stuff before they went into your talk and she was having difficulty with something that she wanted to put across and I can't remember what it was we were talking about now but um, I stood there because I was just waiting and she was putting across some information to them and I just nodded at her and she (laughs) said oh it seems like I've got that right do you know a little bit about this and I came in <laughs> and then I started talking to the kids as well um, yeah. and they were talking That's... about Tim Peake and stuff like that and I said oh um, I met Tim Peake recently and I'm showing them the picture of me with Tim Peake and uh, <laughs> it was quite strange being able to talk to the kids in that manner because I'm, I'm not used to it I mean you, you're more used to it than I am and uh, it was it was great it really was I mean there was one instance and I was with Frankie who was manning the fort as it were at the other end <laughs> yeah bless and, her my wife and, uh, if you haven't heard in other podcasts she knows nothing about astronomy at all so I kind of left her with all the big telescopes in the hall to go and do the talk while Mick was outside and uh Mark bless her, I think kind of stood by her to give her a bit more <laughs> a bit of confidence but she knows what she's talking about didn't she she's, she's heard it so good. much now she's pretty good and uh, there was a bit where somebody approached her and uh, because she was showing them um, how the, the scope actually tracks different things and it was trying to yep. track the moon yep. and the scope went round and went in the area where it thinks the moon should be and some kids said well what happens to the moon during the day and I was like, well, it's, it's always there. But I can't see it during the day. I said, well, yes, you can. And I just happened a couple of days beforehand, took a photograph of the moon during the day. And I still have yep. it on my phone. So I said to this kid, look, there is the moon. This was taken two days ago at about three o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. And they were like, wow. I said, yeah, if you look carefully, certain times of the day, early morning or sometimes in the afternoon, you can see it in daylight. And I was just yep. really amazed by this. I mean, they can see all the stuff on Facebook and things like that, and Google, and I always say that. But to actually 
and see it up in the sky and actually watch how it's different every single night you can actually see the moon moves across the sky each night it's different mm -hmm. so then to actually then just actually see it rather than someone can tell you oh yeah it takes 27 days or whatever blah 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 we move around at 365 but to actually go out and actually see you know like when, when you look through a jupiter or something you actually see it moving on my scope because it's not tracking and when you tell the kids right that planet yeah the planet's moving but that moving across there that is earth that's earth moving that's us spinning something just clicks there and then they kind of think oh they think differently about the world a bit it's all well and good to say you know as the sun moves across the sky and things but they, they just see the sun moving across the sky they don't see that it's actually the earth is turning to see that, I mean, that's like that. They then start thinking differently and think, oh man, I need to learn more. I need to find out more about what's going on out there. It's different. So yes, that was our day, pretty much. Uh, well, it was your two days, because you did, did it twice. We've done it three times, actually, because you had to do it kind of again <laughs> yeah. for the teachers uh, a couple of yeah, days yeah. ago. Yeah, that was great as well, talking to the teachers and that. And hopefully, we'll be getting into more schools to teach more kids. That's what it's all about. So as I say, we made some recordings at uh, the Big Bang Fair Bucks and we'll be bringing them to you at a later date. So keep listening to the show and uh, all will be revealed. Now we're going to go for a quick break and when we come back, Ross is going to be telling us what is going on in the skies for July. Space, the final frontier. Final because it wants to kill us. Sometimes we forget that. Start taking it all for granted. The suits, the ships, the little bubbles of safety as they protect us from the void. But the void is always waiting. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more, and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. We're back, it's July, and hopefully July is going to be as hot and clear and nice as June was. I was really happy with that. Really good month. <laughs> I did get to go out. I'll be talking about that later. I try and go out at least once a month now because I like to kind of uh, have a chat on here about, you know, what you saw, how you saw it and things like that. So that people have got a bit of a story to go with rather than just this is up, that's up, this is going on. So, right, this month, there's two main events going on. One I'm very excited about, and to be fair, the other one actually I'm quite excited about as well. But the main thing that we're going to be talking about is uh, Mars. You know that I've been banging on about Mars is coming for the last few episodes, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're finally, we're finally caught up with it in our orbit. It's finally here. So it's all about Mars this month, but <laughs> it is pretty low in the sky. Later in the month, hopefully, as we go through it, it should get better. But Mars does actually appear... Well, I've seen it. I saw it last night when I was looking out. It's actually, it's pretty damn bright in the sky. It's really, really bright. It's quite a special one because Mars is actually going to be at its closest, at brightest and biggest for around 15 years. So that's, you know, that's all half my life. <laughs> I hate to admit it. So it's not going to be until another half of my life that it's going to be this big and bright. So it, I've got to try and get out as much as I can this month and 
see what I can see of it. It reaches its opposition on the 27th, so sort towards the end of the month is when it comes its best, and that's pretty much, as we know, we're closest to its orbit sort of thing, so Earth is kind of caught up, and that's when we're closest to the planet, so it appears brighter and bigger at that sort of around that period, which is the best time to go and have a peek. From what I've heard, it's quite possibly going to be the brightest that the planet can ever shine in our skies. It's around about 35.7 million miles from Earth at that point, the Earth being about 93 million miles from the Sun for context, which is, that's what's classed as one AU, isn't it? One astronomical unit, yeah. which is how they kind of uh, measure space and distances because you have to have something to go by. So why not Earth to the Sun? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Patrick Moore, bless him, he put it best by saying, Mars is easy to see, but hard to observe. It's like a catch-22. When it's close, it's low. When it's further away, it's higher in our skies. So <laughs> it's a bit of one of those where you're like, oh man, it's so close, but it's low. So it's going to be a bit blurry and hazy because it's going through more atmosphere. You have to look through to actually see it. And then as it goes further away, it gets higher. I'm thinking, oh man, why does it have to do that to us? But apparently it's going to be best around about 3 a.m.-ish, maybe an hour either side. But then after 3 a.m., it's going to start getting lighter. But yeah, 3 a.m. is meant to be when it's at its highest point in UK skies. You won't be able to see the whole of the planet like, you know, like Jupiter and Saturn. They move quite quickly. They spin quite quickly. Mars takes about 24 hours and 37 minutes. So to observe the entire planet's surface, you're going to have to look pretty much for the whole month as it slowly moves around slightly bit by bit. The only problem with Mars is it is quite prone to having dust storms. And uh, you can observe it with bigger telescopes and even bigger ones, they still won't get a decent view of it because this dust storm, as we've said in other podcasts, can actually obscure sort of half the planet. They're that, that, that sort of crazy. Uh, it recently actually had one, I think a week or so ago, it actually had a dust storm and it was out when I was observing. And I'll speak about that a little bit later. And uh, when I looked at it, couldn't see much. And I was thinking, why can't I see much? I know it's low, but there should be something, surely. And then I found later on that there actually was a dust storm covering some of the planet. So even though you can't see the features, just think you're looking at a planet and you're seeing a humongous dust storm on Mars. That's cool. It is. Yeah, I know, I know people are like, oh man, you know, I want to see detail. But to think that you're seeing a huge dust storm on another planet with a telescope on this planet. I, that, man, that still makes me happy. I don't mind. That's good. <laughs> so where will you see Mars? Where's it going to be? Right. If you look up in the sky in July, kind of towards where the sun sets, you'll see a very, very bright Venus, possibly a low Mercury as well, because that's coming into elongation later on in the month. You'll see Venus, you can't miss it. We, we spoke about that it before. It's really, really bright, the goddess of beauty. Careful when observing near the sun. I have to say that every single time. Never look at the sun unless you've got special gear like we had at Big Bang Bucks. <laughs> if you look there, you'll see Venus quite high and bright. Looks slightly higher and to the left of Venus, and you'll see another bright blob and that'll be Jupiter. So you have Venus, up to the left you'll have Jupiter. Then at around about 10.30 p.m. you'll see another slightly dimmer blob rise from the southeast, sort of below left of Jupiter, and uh, that'll be Saturn. So Saturn will then be coming up, and as we know, that was in opposition last month. Jupiter was the month before. So even those two planets are still worth a look at if you can get your scopes on them, definitely still worth a peek. If you stay up to around 1 a.m., that's when uh, Mars will start to rise. And it's going to be around the same sort of area as Saturn did. So then hopefully you've got a gauge for where it will be. But as I said, the best views probably you're going to have to wait till it reaches its highest point, which is around sort of like 3 a.m. But I'd imagine 2 a.m. would probably be okay. 
But from 3am after that, the sun actually does start to rise again and get in the way because we've had the longest day and the shortest night, but we're still not going to get really dark skies, not until later in the year. I usually always say kind of October to March is the best time, but it shouldn't affect planets too much, hopefully. So you should still be able to see Mars for a bit after that. Mars is currently in the constellation, see, I want to say Capricornus, but probably Capricornus. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I didn't want to say this one. I like to say Capri, Cornus. So we go over that. <laughs> it's a constellation, pretty much, which is uh, represented by a horned goat. Capri being goat. I did mention that aside from Mars, there is actually something else going on this month as well. And uh, that, again, happens to be on the 27th. So that's the same day that Mars is at uh, opposition. It's that our moon moves into our planet shadow. Now, from the UK, we won't see that part of it. We won't see it too well, as always. But the moon is going to rise, and as it rises, it's around about nine, nine o'clock it starts rising. It's going to be a real blood red, because it's going to still kind of be in the Earth's shadow. So it's going to be a blood moon as it rises up from the, uh, the horizon. Now, that would make for some cool pictures. You could get some really good pictures of that. Even with your phones, pop out and have a look. It'd be really cool. If you stay there until about 9.30 as it rises, the International Space Station will actually rise up to the left of uh, Venus. So you'll have Venus in the sky. The International Space Station will go up from there, right up across the sky over Jupiter, over Saturn, and then back down just past the moon. So you can see three planets, the Blood Moon and the International Space Station all together in one night. Put this date in your diary because Mars is at its best as well. If you don't go out and see this, I'll be very upset. There may be tears. I, I unfortunately, I'm on a night shift and I start at eight o'clock, but I'm going to see if I can slip out <laughs> and at least watch it. I'm hoping I might be able to take a telescope and kind of sneak off and quickly, you know, it's only half an hour, quickly, quickly, go, 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 take some pictures. But if not, you need to go out and get pictures for me so that I can see them on our Facebook group, UK Astronomy on Facebook. Please, for me, do it. Yeah, so two awesome events that's going on in the sky. And then now we can just go on to the everyday stuff. So... On the 9th, Venus is near the star Regulus. So that's a bright blue star in the constellation of Leo. And that's just something cool to see because you'll be able to see the difference between how a star looks in the sky to a planet. And the more you look and learn about that, the easier you'll look up and think, yeah, that's a planet. I know what that planet is now. I know what the planet is compared to a star. So have a look. It's a nice blue one and Venus will be kind of like whitey yellow. So a nice contrast on the 9th. On the 10th, if you're up around 11 p.m., the uh, Great Red Spot will be visible on Jupiter. Also, the moon Io just starts finishing a shadow transit. So its shadow goes onto the planet and it stops at around 11 p.m. So if you're out before that, you should be able to see the shadow go across and then hopefully the Great Red Spot spin around as well onto the planet. So that'd be cool to see. The 12th, the moon begins to uh, get out of the way. DSO time, but it's not really great skies for deep space objects, but you can see things. We helped a guy on the Facebook group recently uh, actually see the Ring Nebula, which is uh, just under the star Vega in Lyra, the constellation. And that's up there, nice high and bright, and he got a really good picture of it for the first time. So it's still there, you can still go out and see these things. Also, the moon just happens to get out of the way in time to uh, try and spot Pluto, which will be a little white dot that moves in the background of stars, it'll slightly move along. Uh, it actually reaches opposition on this date, so it's the best time to see it. It's in the constellation Sagittarius, so have a look at that. Also, you've got Mercury reaches its greatest elongation. So there's quite a few things going on on that night. So the moon's out of the way, 
you can go and see Mercury, which will be, as the sun sets, it'll be right there. Hopefully the furthest it will be at the moment this month at least. Yeah, why not? It's really elusive. It's quite hard to see. So it'll be a good time to see that. Then stay out, see if you can find Pluto. Hopefully there'll be some apps. You'll probably need an app to help you find Pluto. It is quite hard to see. But yeah, go for it. If you couldn't find it on that date, on the 14th, Mercury is going to be just to the south of the moon in the evening as a sunset. So it's a good signpost for you to spot the first planet in our solar system. So it's a good point. See if you can see it that first night. If not, just below the moon, there should be a little bright blob there, and that'll be Mercury. If you look at it, it'll probably have, uh, with a telescope or some binoculars, careful not to look at the sun, as always, it might actually even have a phase because it's in between us and Earth. Venus and Mercury have phases, so you can see that. The 15th, you've got a thin crescent moon, will now be close to Venus. So it's moved over from Mercury to Venus. As the sun sets again, it will be there. 10.30 p.m. onwards, the Great Red Spot is visible again on Jupiter. So then you can pop up and have a look at that. And the moon Europa is also transiting the planet around that time. So you'll be able to see a moon go across the front of the planet, as well as the Great Red Spot. Great for astrophotography if anyone's out for doing that, or just to see. On the 17th, at about 11 o'clock, it's back to Jupiter again. For another transit, this time it will be the moon Io, its shadow will go across there. So you've got a few nights to actually go out and see these things popping in front of Jupiter. On the 20th, now it will be a kind of just past half phase moon. It will now appear near Jupiter itself, so if you didn't know where Jupiter was, the moon's right near it then, so you can use that as a signpost to have a look. And then once you're there, if you're about 11 o'clock, the moon Ganymede will disappear this time behind the planet. So you've seen moons and that go across the front of it. This time, the planet is going to disappear behind the planet. So you can have a look at the moon, find Jupiter, and then see a moon disappear behind a planet. That's pretty good. 23rd, I'm going to be busy this month. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a feeling there's going to be a lot of sleepless nights for me. This date is generally agreed as the start of the Perseid meteor shower. Even though it actually peaks next month, it's going to actually start to build up because it's quite a big one. It's really good. So if you're looking up, look up sort of around the Perseus area. You never know. You might, you know, come out of the pub or come out from somewhere late at night, have a look up. You'll see a meteor shower or two. You might see one flying past, burning up. You might even see a fireball. Who knows? So it's definitely worth just keeping your arm Perseus for this month. On the 24th, it's over to Saturn because it's Saturn's turn to be near the moon again. So you've seen the moon go from Venus to Jupiter to Saturn each night, so you can see how it moves across. So you haven't spotted Saturn yet. There'll be a full moon on the 24th, or the near full moon, it's nearly full moon, right by Saturn. So you can now use that as a signpost. This month's a really good month to see all the planets using the moon as a signpost. Now, as we know, the 27th is very special. You've got the red rising moon, the, I, the International Space Station is also going to go up past the mole, Mars is at opposition. If you have a look at Mars, don't forget, you might actually be able to spot one of its moons, or maybe two if you've got a good telescope. You've got uh, Phobos and Demos. Phobos is actually believed to be moving toward the planet, unlike our moon, which is actually slowly moving away. They believe that in about 10 million years, it's actually going to reach a point where the tidal forces of Mars is going to tear the moon apart. So I would say go out and have a look quickly before it goes, but yeah, 10 million years, got a while yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's actually getting closer to the planet. So you can see a moon that eventually is going to be destroyed. And you can imagine that might actually make a really cool meteor shower, mightn't it? Or, or would it be called a moon shower? Well, technically it would still be a meteor shower. Yeah. Uh, because basically meteors are 
bits of asteroids and and moons when yeah, they're moons, planets up are kind of asteroidish. Yeah, all sorts so, of bits. Yeah, because I'm guessing a moon shower then would be lots of moons coming, <laughs> that you, which you don't really want, would you? You'd have to really yeah uh, panic about that one. That would be the end of you. <laughs> Yeah, so that's quite cool. And then the last thing is on the 28th, if you haven't been able to find Mars at all or it's been cloudy, the moon will now not be far from Mars. So on the 28th will be really a good signpost, your last chance in a month to help you spot that planet. So it's good planet spotting. There's lots going on. And don't forget the 27th. I'm going to bang on about it in the Facebook group. I'm going to write a thing in a minute and put it all up there because that's a cool night for me. It's a shame I'm doing a night shift, but... That's cool. Go and have a look. There'll be loads of stuff going on, so hopefully don't forget. So that's pretty much everything for me. So it's quite a busy month this month, really, isn't it? Yeah, lots going on, especially towards the end of the month. There's uh, a lot going on within just like three days. There's loads going on. <laughs> yeah. It'll probably be cloudy, you know what I mean? It'll be really lovely weather all through the month, and then that, that special day. <laughs> well, according to the newspapers, we're supposed to be having nice weather right the way through to August. Brilliant. And then it'll get into the uh, good deep space object time and it'll be cloudy all winter <laughs> that's why i'm getting a bit of a bugbear about that at the moment for some reason i'm kind of like i've been looking at planets and things and yeah they're brilliant and they're cool but i want to see some other stuff it's the thing of being an astronomer <laughs> in the uk i mean i remember seeing the clips of the sky at night on the first episode you know live television then it wasn't recorded yeah, <laughs> and uh, there's patrick moore and this other guy looking through this telescope but uh, i think it was mars actually yeah and cloud the entire time they were on the air <laughs> poor guy you always see always have a plan b if you're doing a show or something yeah this is what you you get on stargazing live you always get yeah. some pre-recorded stuff that they can do okay. and, and that's From a f- why they're always in some you know uh, observatory in hawaii or something <laughs> yeah that's good yeah well the, the day and age we live in now there is quite a lot of scopes all around the country you can just log into isn't there yeah yeah, the see, community scopes are uh, are amazing. See, I, I I can't do them. I like to to me, that's the same as googling. <laughs> I like to go out. I like to me. I'm a, I'm a camping man, so to get out there and actually uh, but you've got be the, with you've the got elements. that advantage of if you if you're doing things through one of these community projects and you do notice something new, mm. you've got more chance of getting noticed as the discoverer of a new celestial item yeah this is true yeah they, well, they definitely have their place definitely you know for schools and things they can log in there and the kids can actually remotely do them themselves and stuff like that which is you know and get their own data and pictures and that'd be cool i never used to be able to do that at school there's a community um scope um and they've they've got um like branches all over the all over the world it's mm. called SLU. SLU, yeah, because that's what Scope does, isn't it? It's SLUs. And um, the SLU community project is brilliant. Uh, you do you do have to donate something to be part of it, but... Um, well, the, you're the, using it, so... The, the access you get, plus you get access to some of their experts to actually do questions and answers with you and stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to try and get in touch with them, actually, and um, we'll see whether they want to come on the show and... And then talk to us about the project. Yeah, definitely. I'll be interested to learn more. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of TGP Nominal and its infinite mission to explore space, science, and technology news. 
to explore the world of sci-fi, comic-cons, and gaming, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Now, I'm going to talk about my night out, I'm afraid. might bore you but as I said I like to get out and actually see things and teach and tell you guys about you know actually going out and doing astronomy and what you you can see and do it was actually the uh, longest day that I went out and the shortest night which is probably not the best thing to do <laughs> but I wanted to go for a bit of a dark sky hunt someone's told me about a place in Northampton which is about an hour away but then I looked on a dark sky map, which you can find on the internet and places like that, which tell you how much light pollution there is in your area. And I saw a little area near us. It's only about half hour away, sort of steeple Clayton area. And I thought, I might have a look there. Luckily, my wife knows a local group in that area on her Facebook. So she put out a sort of word and uh, someone invited me. One of her friends that she actually used to work with or does work with invited me to a, uh, a sailing club she's part of. It's about half an hour away from Milton Keynes. So I thought... Yeah, let's go for it. Why not? Let's go down and have a look. Uh, she came along with me because uh, I needed a fob to get in. So she, the idea was uh, to go there, see if it's a good site, have a peek at the planets, especially Mars, of course, because I wanted to see how over the last few months, how bigger and brighter it's becoming. And I also just check out if the sky was good enough for me to eventually take our 16-inch robotic Dobsonian with us. Uh, we've actually named that now. We've actually, we're calling it Anakin Skywatcher because apparently it's turned to the dark skies. So that's the name for that scope, but we'll just call it a 16 inch. What I really want to do, as you know, I love deep space objects. So I wanted to go there, see if it was a dark sky and find some deep space objects in the winter, possibly. Now the site was pretty awesome. It had toilets that you could write next to it that we can go into. It actually had a help yourself cafe as well. If you've got a fob, you can go in there and help yourself to tea, coffee and things like that and hot water. Brilliant. And it was really secure as well because it had fences all around and no one could really come in and bother me. So it's great. The only condition I had was if she let me in, I had to teach her about the sky. So she stayed with me for a, a while. But within five minutes of actually setting up the 10-inch Dobby, which we've now dubbed Luke Skywatcher, and uh, the 8-inch Dobby as well, which uh, that was for her to use because I was going to teach her how to use it and let her just play with it. That's now been dubbed BB-8-inch. So you can see a sort of theme going on here. Uh, within five minutes, a group of sea cadets came over. They pulled their boat up, <laughs> they came over, and my private stargazing session turned into a teaching session where I ended up helping them learn the skies, talk about it, how to use the scopes, observing the planets, the crescent moon, taking pictures with their phones. But finally, around 1 a.m., <laughs> they all went home, which, don't get me wrong, I love teaching people, but sometimes you need that little, oh, this is me time. So 1am, I was alone with my 10-inch, my 70ED refractor, which is like a travel scope, and a pair of 20 by 80 binoculars. I had about two hours of decent skies left of view, and as I said, even though it was the longest day, I was actually pretty amazed that I could see the Milky Way there. So in the winter, it must be awesome. So I'm definitely going to go back there. You'll probably hear me talking more about it because I'm now going to become a member <laughs> so I can get my own fob and go when I like. But as we know, the main event was Mars. So it was well up by that time. The moon had set, crescent moon, so that was cool. I turned my scopes to the blood red blob like our ancestors saw in the sky, which is why they named it after the God of War because it looked like blood. And it is actually, if you look now, it is really bright and red. It's, it's actually pretty amazing. But when I looked through the scopes, I saw nothing but a fuzzy, wobbly red blob. Now I know that there was actually a storm blowing on the planet. Couldn't see any details on it, but these things happen. 
saw other things to do. But I'm hoping to get as much as I can this month, and you guys should as well, in the hope to see its features. Because if that does, if that storm does blow over, or maybe it already has, go. It's going to be amazing. It'll be cool. The reason I'm really talking about this night is because even though I went there and I ended up not really doing a lot of what I wanted to do, I love teaching people. It's great. Didn't really see Mars like I wanted to. Seems like a bit of a, a flop. But as I got in my car and started driving home back to Milton Keynes, I saw some strange clouds in the sky. And I actually pulled over in my excitement, knowing exactly what I was seeing. And this is the first time I'd ever seen them. And it was the old noctilucent clouds, which is pretty much meteor dust and ice crystals in our upper atmosphere, which has been lit from below as our sun shines up from below horizon. Mm -hmm. Never seen it before. And you know, I've seen so many pictures, and obviously I do talks about it on here. I just thought, I know what they are, I've seen them. So I grabbed my phone, jumped out into the field, and I took as many pictures as I could. They didn't come up great on the phone, but you can still get them. They still look cool. I shared them in our Facebook group, and later on saw that others saw them too. People had been out of their cameras, they'd taken even better pictures. And uh, there's been a lot of spate of them recently. There's been a lot of them over the last month so hopefully it'll carry on into the next month they've been really quite prominent and people are thinking it might also be perhaps due to the volcanic activity around our planet at the moment so all that dust and stuff is getting all pumped up into the atmosphere and it might be helping with that that's that's something that my friend actually told me was going on so you know every night is an adventure as you know every time i seem to go out something happens from fireballs to international space station transits to thunderstorms to not too listen clouds astronomy is just awesome isn't it yeah <laughs> right we're gonna just take another short break and then uh, we're gonna finish off this episode Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, Spanhead Productions. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So, Ross, how do you think this episode went? Yeah, I think it went all right. Yeah, I, I think it, it. It's, it's something new <laughs> to try out, I think, and, um, and see how it goes with the uh, listeners and the community out there the night community i suppose you can call them yeah. <laughs> i think i think you've got the right idea i think because sometimes you have special events don't you with your podcast so you don't actually get them out till the 15th or certain dates and things like that mm -hmm. and there's there's the chance that people might miss something at the beginning of the month mightn't they because yeah because of, of that so yeah why not give it a go try it and as you know it's only going to get better the more we do it so let us know what you think about the new tgp nominal extra concept if you want to get in touch with us then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com or click on the social media icons on the top left of the page at tgpnominal.weebly.com Ross, it's been fantastic talking to you once again. Always a pleasure. So we will speak to you again real soon with normal TGP Nominal. That wasn't easy to say. And um, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure yet what we're going to have in the next episode as John is on his travels up to Canada for TennoCon, the, uh, the Warframe convention. So it will be interesting to see what he comes back with from that. So as I say... We'll speak to you all again soon, and take care. Yeah, see you next month.
Foundation. This is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.